Good day to you again, Mr. Fox. Hello, Scotty. Well, happy holidays to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, I'm always loving Thanksgiving just because I think it's a great holiday and it allows us to remind ourselves of how much better off we were when we left the Brits behind because, you know, our, our political system hasn't had popular meltdowns like yours has. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, you live in, in you know, the, the most utopian uh, place there is. Everything is perfect. I mean, uh, it's just sublime. There's no poverty. Universal health care yep. for all. Um, uh, yeah, everyone, everybody is happy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. great. We are all incredibly jealous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Talking about things of improving, no, John. Um, yeah. there, there have been, uh, yeah, on one of the podcast episodes we recorded that never saw the light of day because you were going through your um, dark days of um, of audio, we will call them, hmm. uh, or, or just plain incompetence, whichever you want to say. <laughs> It's, uh, uh, we had a conversation about uh, uh, Sam, who... Uh, this one never made it out. Now, uh, Sam has been with us as a company for uh, a year. And so we were doing uh, like his end of year review. And, and I asked him the question, well, what's the worst bit about your job? And he responded, editing John's audio, uh, which I told you at the time. <laughs> but, you know, it never made out. There, so we didn't do it. But I did, I'm not saying that just to have a second chance of having a dig because, you know, it was, you know, he said it sounded like you were always in a barn or, or on a construction site. And, of course, it always got chopped off or whatever else. But, um, you know, last week we recorded an episode and you had a, had a new recorder. Um, and uh, although Sam still thinks it's the worst part of his job, he said it was a lot better. Ah, well, <laughs> so, thank you, Sam. Well, well, well done for you. You, are, you, are, you have improved dramatically. Ah, well, so that, does that mean that there's going to be an end-of-year review that you are going to hold with me and that determine whether we keep this thing going? <laughs> do, do we really want to take that risk? <laughs> I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I think honestly, I think we should put it to our listener. You know, there, right? There was okay. A, yeah. There was an, in the at the end, end of the year, we'll do we'll do a review and see if we continue into the next year. There we go. Well, Scotty, 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 I have some useful things to talk about. Should you wish to hear them? I always love to hear useful things, John. Off you go. Okay. Well, so uh, you know, we we are, are well. While I'm recording this, today we'll be submitting our, our last release for the year. Um, and uh, I had come across some issues that, some, ex- well, you know, accessibility issues. And uh, I, I... Before before you do that, let me just ask you a question, if I may. I understand we spoke last week about how you don't do a release before the end of the year because, you know, it's peak time. You don't want to break things. But... You know, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and you're doing a release. Uh, yeah, but it's not going to hit until next year. I mean, until next in, until Monday. So, all yeah. right. So you'll do you'll do you'll get Thanksgiving out of the way. Then you'll yeah. do one more release before the rest of the season. Okay, that makes sense. Carry yeah. on. Okay. So anyway. sorry, so you'll need to go back to, to explaining stuff again because I interrupted you, and everyone lost, including me, has lost the train of thought where <laughs> that, you're going. Okay. So start again. So anyway, you know, so uh, was looking at some things, you know, and then part of the issue is is that you 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 know have a lot of tests that go out across the time, but you know some tests want to be run over over the holidays, and so they have to have a lot more scrutiny, um, and so there was. Uh, there was one case where we were we where I'm I'm turning on voiceover and I'm hearing this extraneous audio. I'm like going, wait, what are they reading? This makes no sense. And as it turns out, I discovered uh, that Apple Apple's video player 
very, very helpfully, and I hope somebody at one of our listeners at Apple is listening to this, and that person works on an AV Foundation. I'm like, why does VoiceOver read subtitles? And you know, and 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 if that's the case, why is there no API for for disabling it? It's rather troubling because you know you can have video playback that 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 is beginning just as something is scrolling into view, for example, as it getting it loaded and whatnot, or it might be obscured or or for any number of different reasons. It's, it's kind of helpful. This is kind of like one of these gives and takes back. Um, there there are some canvases uh, where where it's pretty common, you know, where uh, you have uh, system volume is is up normal. But since you don't want to startle the user, if you have autoplay video, you you start it out with with no volume and that you put on subtitles. So you see how it works on Facebook, Instagram, a lot of places like that. And uh, they support voiceover quite well. And then I've noticed that that, you know, they don't have this problem with voiceover reading subtitles. And I'm thinking, why is that? And then I realized it's like, yep, <laughs> there are lots of other apps out there that support video that don't use AV Foundation, and, and this may be one of the reasons why. And so I, I do not, for the life of me, understand scouring the documents, scouring everywhere. Nobody can explain why they, why, who, and why thinks that that's a good idea. So it basically, you had to work around it by by determining if voiceover is running because it, it it doesn't help to have it read audio subtitles. You know, that's a deadly combination where you're using voiceover to to read what's going around in the app, and then it's also helpfully or rather unhelpfully reading subtitles that are appearing in video. So um, that was that was a bummer, but found uh, reasonable workarounds for that. The next thing uh, had to do with voice control because. Uh, there were some canvases where the the button which reads one thing it reads kind of play or resume, and uh, it was one of the buttons that wasn't responding properly to to um, voice control. And voice control is this great feature if, for people who are not familiar. It's a new iOS 13 feature which allows you to to control an any app using your voice. And it's one of these things where it was it was you know how many people knew about it before it shipped. Very very few people at Apple since they're so compartmentalized, and certainly nobody you know nobody who's an external developer. They released this thing, and no discussion anywhere in the universe. And for, and for my you know the other Apple listener that's there, hopefully who works in accessibility, you know no no. <laughs> Are you assuming we have one listener in every Apple department? Absolutely, yeah. Or, or <laughs> that's quite a lot of listeners, or at least a half listener somewhere, or maybe we have half an Apple listener that's a, across all departments, whatever. But you know, uh, no documentation. You know, the, the, as soon as as voice control came out, I was personally interested in it because it said, ah, well, you know, now that they've solved the problem that that the the, the hack day project I use with eye controls, you know, this this works really well, and 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 it's it's aiming at people that have sight. Um, but may not have motor control, for instance. So they can't tap, but they can tap with their voice. So, you know, if you've ever used it, by default, you know, the natural way it's expected to work is that you would say something like launch Netflix or launch App X, and and if you're in, in, in you know, in the, the springboard. And then when you launch it, you basically read things off. And so if you see a button that says play or run or jump or hide or, or whatever, or or, you know, throw water at Scotty, you would just expect to read that and because that's what's visible for a sighted user in the button. However, subtle note here, it's quite common for the accessibility label of a button or any view to, to be slightly different from what's 
what's visible to a sighted user. And that's oftentimes the case where you want to add some additional context. Because remember, if you can't see it, you might not know that the play button, of which there may be multiple on the screen, which title is actually going to play. So you might append that to the string that's being used in the accessibility label. And so I was doing some testing. Somebody brought it up and they said, hey, you know, I tried to to play from for the display page and I using uh, voice control and it didn't work. I'm like, well, what do you mean it doesn't work? So I go through and looking at it and then I discovered that's one of such titles where, you know, one of the such elements where the accessibility label absolutely is different and for good reason. So, you know, it turns out that uh, voice control uses the accessibility label and not the actual button's title, which to me seems like a miss because, A, it's, it's you know, if somebody doesn't set the accessibility label for certain things but there's a title somewhere or, you know, you're basically giving, giving control to a user who's using their site to be able to say what should they tap. Um, so there's going to be a radar uh, filed for this. So, but, but it just means that in order to preserve things for voiceover users, we had to jiggle things around a little bit and take advantage of accessibility hints, but that's it can not that can be a little bit heavy handed sometimes. But so here's a little case where we just basically have to make a judgment call uh, if we want to support both technologies. And now you'll see in our code, you know, segment, you know, uh, sections with with comments that says "Be kind to voiceover users," and then the following code does something, and then "Be kind to, to voice control users," and then additional code for it. So people are reading it or are, are now seeing it, but. Uh, both of those changes made it out to release, which makes me happy so that during our quiet period, um, people are using those technologies. will have an even better experience. So I'm happy. Yeah, that's a strange one, isn't it? Because I sort of, I, I, I get why it might use the accessibility label because that might be more something that's, you know, more appropriately developer set. And, and you could probably put a command type of structure in there that, you know, you wouldn't necessarily do by the labels on the button. But as that is also used for what voiceover reads out, it seems to conflict with each other. Yeah. Um, in some ways, you expect if they wanted to not use the titles. Um, and I guess not everything has a title. So then you maybe have to use the yeah. accessibility label in order to avoid things with titles. But, you know, the accessibility stuff works on the fact if there's a title, it's the default. If there's not, you have to do the label. Right. But maybe they should have created a new accessibility. Exactly. You know, um, uh, a field as well that, that was voiceover one so that you could do it and it would use the label if you didn't have a voiceover right. one or the voice and yeah but there we are yeah. who knows who knows well I, I suspect that you know that, that they released it and they just wanted to make it their fail safe which does work is that you can ask it to show a grid in which case it divides the screen to grids and you can say tap three or tap whatever the the number associated with the grid and that works so i mean that that's the fail safe that that makes it work pretty much with any app no matter what they do to it it might be a little bit awkward and then you you, you also run into issues where you might have the same title in multiple places like my list there there's a top screen i noticed that you know my list is, is a filter to be able to show the contents of my list, but it also can be a button on what we call the billboard, which is the first item in the row, which would, would which basically, and, that, and that's a great case where the, 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 the button title says my list, but the action, especially as it's read to voiceover, tells you explicitly what's going to happen. If you tap this button, you're going to add this title to your list versus the other, other place where there's the word my list on the screen, which has to do to filter or to basically display the contents of my list. And so that I think that what I'm going to suspect, and this is my 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 uh, 
sympathy for the, the, the listener who actually coded this stuff, who's listening right now at Apple, is that, you know, they had to get something out and they can prove it over time. And I suspect that what they'll end up doing is, is trying multiple things. They might look to see, is there an explicit accessibility label? And then they might compare it to the, the title and, and decide they want to use one. Or in the cases where there is no title, like a graphical button, if there is an accessibility label, they'll, you could use it. And and that's an exact case I saw where it's pretty common to have an X to be rather than the words close and people kind of intuitively know. So if you put a label there on close, which is what would get read for for voiceover, that would be the good thing to read for for to use for for um, voice control. Anyway, we're down in the weeds here, but these things matter. They do. They do. So um, changing subject then. Um, We've changed something on our projects in the last couple of weeks, which I'm. I'm quite enjoying. Enjoying maybe too strong a word. It's um it's I'm not enjoying, but it's causing less pain, shall we say. So um Moneywell's in a state that's got lots of rapid development going on. It means we're constantly adding lots to the project, it means the project file is constantly changing. And of course, you know, we all know that um Git and Xcode project files are not the best of friends. Um time especially when there's three of us constantly adding files or or changing files in the project you virtually every time you try and do a um a submission or a pull request you're gonna you know you have merge conflicts on the project file um they're normally reasonably easy to sort out but you know they are a complete pain in the backside so um uh just uh, it was last week or maybe two weeks ago uh we decided to just get rid of the project file as far as Git was concerned and just uh, not um, check it in. And we now use uh, the tool Xcode Gen. I don't know if you've used Xcode Gen. Mm. Um, so basically now um, we don't check Xcode project files in and um, we run Xcode Gen. Whenever you do a checkout, you run Xcode Gen and it generates a project file for you based on the files in the folder structure. Mm. Uh, so, but basically, you determine you determine what goes into what target by uh, we have a configuration file, and it says these folders are for this target, these folders for this target, these folders, anything under these folders will be in both targets or all three. We got four targets or so four targets, and so basically, I mean, you just throw files around, put them in there, and so we never get a merge conflict on the project file, um, which is really cool. Uh, and uh, has saved time. But it's also opened up something else for us because, um, I mean, we've had lots of discussions over the years of my my dislike for um, uh, third-party source control managers, um, things like CocoaPods and Carthage. And yet, you know, you have to sometimes use third-party um, uh, source because just doing it yourself is not realistic. So I said a few weeks ago we... Um, We've given up on Core Data and we've moved to using SQLite Direct and we've chosen to use SQLite uh, through a framework called GRDB, which after a bit of research um, seemed to be the best bet for doing that. And after a couple of weeks of using it, it's um, pretty good, I have to say. Uh, but GRDB only naturally, I don't like submodules. I think they're a pain in the ass, especially for there and i don't like any of anything around using other stuff but of course you know one of my one of my biggest complaints against coco pods um uh which is probably the most popular and virtually everything supports um and is the default for grdb because it doesn't have carthage support 
to do, to do tagging, um, is it messes around with your project file because it creates a, a, a workspace file and then creates a project file. And that's constantly being messed around and that's a complete pain in the ass. Um, you know, then you have to check it in and people changing it. Um, but of course, we don't have a project file anymore. So we've also, I never thought I'd hear the words say this, we've also moved to Cocoa Pods because um, when you run Xcode Gen, it also runs Cocoa Pods and it because it's regenerating the workspace file. So we never deal with any of that on check-in, but we have the convenience of Cocoa Pods. And so from a point of view of not having project conflicts and um, being able to use a third-party source um, uh it's not a source manager. What's the word I'm after? Dependency manager. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, you know, and whatever else, it's quite a neat little solution, and it works quite well. So, if you're someone like me who doesn't like the third party stuff, but it's a necessary evil, um, you know, this might be a way you can um, have your cake and eat it, as they would say. That is very interesting. You know, the funny thing is, is I, I in my career, I've almost only ever used Xcode until you know, until I had to start using. IntelliJ, which I didn't like, and in fact, I didn't like it quite a bit. Um, and then uh, uh, Visual Studio, Visual, and, and and in those cases, it's like the the concept is you know the idea of like uh, you know uh, how do I add a file? And, and I asked that if somebody said, "What do you mean? You just add the file in the file system?" It was like they couldn't imagine that you'd have to both do that and tell uh, you know uh, an IDE that yes, here are the files. So I, I get why you know it's a disconcerting thing. Um, and I, 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 I'm kind of lucky. I mean, I, I think we have fairly rare number of, of, of conflicts. And as you imagine, with you know, people are adding and removing files all the time. So conflicts are are fairly rare. But yeah, when you get them, you're you're kind of screwed because nobody likes opening up a a PB project file in a text editor and and you know going to search for the greater than sign a bunch of times and then and then hoping that you understand the inscrutable you know file structure of it. Um, but that's that's surprise. I mean, I'm not surprised that you've y'all felt enough pain that you thought that it's it's to you know better to go through this you know mechanism. And clearly, lots of other people do have this problem. Otherwise, who would have gone to the trouble of of making Xcode Gen in the first place? Interesting. Yeah, I'd say because we had to learn. I mean, Matt did most of the work. I just enjoying the benefits of it um, because we had to do you know a bit of research on how it worked. Um, so we've got four targets currently in our project, um, and we wanted to use CocoaPods, and you have to work out things like how all your project settings get done. It probably took about a day, day and a half to get set up, um, but a lot of that was learning. Um, and then you get the odd thing where, oh, that doesn't work because that's that um, class hasn't ended up in the right targets, and so a bit of fiddling around. But now it's it's all there and, and doing, yeah, and it's, you know, very configurable. Um, so, yeah, it definitely, um, I think it's definitely a plus. So, uh, I mean, yeah, if you're a solo developer, um, just working on the project by yourself, um, you really never suffer project conflicts. Um, well, see, that's not true. Sometimes if you're working on multiple branches for trying multiple features for your own project, and then you try and merge them all back in, yeah, your project file, yeah, if, if, if you've added one file in one and taken one file out in another, that's normally very solvable. But if you've done lots of changes in, in two or three branches and then they're all coming to a peak at the same time to get back, even as an individual developer, you can end up, end up with these you know, merge conflicts from hell on your project file and you, um, you know, 
to be honest, what I normally do is I just accept one of the project files and then go back and um, re-add the files, the other files to the project or delete them out to the project or whatever. Again, because it's just a complete pain otherwise. Um, yeah, so even that might be worthwhile. Scotty, 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 can I make an intelligent segue to something I learned a couple of weeks ago that's helpful? I am, I am sat here with bated breath. <laughs> so... Uh, one of the things, it's, it's not uncommon for, for people to have branches where they're introducing new features and those features may require new localizable strings, but even the strings in English, you're not certain all that, that will be needed and the language may be changing as they're developing exactly what the reference text is supposed to be. And strings files, you know, even though intuitively they're text files, they're actually treated by Git as binary. And I think the reason for that is because um, to be able to support all different languages, they end up being, you know, they're, they're not, they're obviously not ASCII files. They're either 8-bit or 16-bit files um, to be able to support wide character languages like Chinese, for example. Um, and so Git really doesn't know how to merge them. And it just kind of throws up its hands. And while there are tools that can visualize the difference that all that does is show you what's changed. It doesn't help the actual Git merging of them so that they, they, you just get used to having conflicts. And so uh, it's fairly common to, to build a branch off of, off of a master release or some other mainline release and, and, and merge back into that regularly so that you can kind of avoid merge hell in the, in, you know, when you go to submit the thing. Also, you may need to be able to test your features interaction with other current features that are in development. So, um, there are often times when you have a single file like a strings file and presumably a project file or even other just normal source files where you it, it, you may want to kind of uh, add in the changes that you made from the canonical file that may be in the master branch. Um, and so I use git command line. And, and it's kind of funny. It's like surprising number of people at the company who are, are much younger than me also use command line, I would have expected that I'm the only kind of old man with the gray beard who likes using command line tools still. Um, but uh, you can, there's some command line goodness. I should probably put the link in the show notes uh, where you can basically check out while you're in a branch, you can check out the source of it. So you can say, check out master and then the path to the file, even if you're another branch, it will actually pull the version of the file that is in some other branch and write it in there. And then you can, you know, merge your, your manually merge your new changes, which in the case of strings files, I, I do. And like, if, if here's a hint, I think, which is pretty universal. I think if you're working with new strings files, you might have a scratch text, which contains the, the new strings that you're adding and kind of hold on to that. And so that if you need to merge from master, you can do that, add them in and uh, change them as much as you want without, without kind of polluting, so to speak, the master branch, which has the official strings that are being used for, for the shipping version of your product. Um, so there's my little helpful hint. Very helpful. Yeah. Did you know about that? See, I, Did I teach I, you something? No, you did. But I, you see, I used Git from the command line for a long time, but, um, I just find it so arcane, yeah. and then I did start using a a GUI tower or, um, or what? Uh, well, I initially used Tower, and until Tower went to um, subscription model, mm -hmm. and it wasn't that I was I'm against uh, subscriptions. I think Tower's about seventy bucks a year for it, which for a tool you use every day is not you know not a bad price. But I think it it's like on one. I am sort of against subscription models where when you stop paying, you stop getting access to the app at all. Mm. I am quite fine with subscription models where 
you maybe pay an initial fee and you get one year of updates and then in the second year oh, yeah. you pay another fee that may or may not be less depending on the app you're using uh, and if you choose not to do that you get to carry on using the app that you initially paid for right. that i'm quite keen on as a way of doing subscriptions the pay you know the rent it and then you get don't don't use it i'm not so keen on so when tower moved to subscription it did sort of just encourage us to maybe have a look around and we started uh using fork which was a free git client um pretty good possibly not as good as tower at the time um but uh you know it's improved a lot over the last year and about a you know a month ago or whatever they just said well we're going to start having a paid version um we're not sure what you're going to get for your paid version um and how much more there'll be in it or whatever but just you know this is now we want to be more more serious about this so it's gonna be a paid version um and without even thinking we just bought three licenses you know we got nothing extra for it because we want to it's not that we want to get free software we want to support it but it's just a you know it's more about what model is it in doing so yeah but pricing's hard we're doing this you know with with money well pricing right now and going through this different stuff getting the price right uh, to give you an ongoing revenue to to build ongoing maintenance well well not uh being unreasonable to your users or pissing them all off is is quite a challenge and and you know anybody who uh does software knows that and and you know almost all developers i think are feeling subscription is the future because of ongoing revenue but equally all developers are fighting the which is the right way of doing subscriptions well, to our half listener who who works at Tower, you've heard it here from Scotty. <laughs> yeah, and it's I mean, yeah, it was just that yeah, it I mean it was a perfectly good product. So I just didn't like that model and there was another product out there that was good enough that um uh that had a model I could support. But the point is, yeah, it's there there is enough What's the phrase that used to be out there? I think it was Matt Gemmell once did a um, uh, a segment on uh, an old show I did, and it was you know, there's always room for one more. And I think in things like uh, uh, Git clients and whatever else, there's always room for another one. It's like there's no one has saturated the market. Um, so yeah, it's it's I don't feel bad in any way at all. And 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 I think yeah, the folks based on the uh, the amount of things that they put out and whatever else, I think the 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 folks producing Git Tower are, are doing okay for themselves. Indeed, indeed. Well, Scotty, what else do you have for us? Nothing. Well, I've uh, I've been really enjoyed. So I've been taking this week off from client work and uh, focusing on Moneywell all week, um, and it's made me realise just how hard it is to, uh, you know, really make good progress. Um, when you're trying to do work on a part-time basis on the side of doing consultant work and client work, because even though you know I might do five, six, seven hours a week, maybe more, not money well, the context switching, the brain already being tired from doing client work, or or you know the time of night or morning I'm now doing money well, uh, it's just sort of demonstrated to me how probably unproductive i am on money well during the times that um uh you know i'm doing client work which is good to know um because it will help with the uh the estimates and um 
the practicalities of you know trying to work out when things will be ready because i'm not the only one working on many one there are full-time people working on many well so it's not just down to that but equally it's quite sad that you know it's um to realize that you know i'm being next to useless <laughs> well scotty <laughs> insert zinger here <laughs> Um, but I'm enjoying this week working on it, even though um, I said a few weeks ago we've we've pulled cool data out and we've gone to SQL uh, SQLite, which means we've had to pull ensembles out, which was our syncing solution or our back end part of the syncing solution. So I'm working on um, sync now, uh, which is interesting and challenging um, and not sure at what point I'm going to come against the brick wall and say that was a really bad idea when we go back to core data. <laughs> So there we are. Well, we will see. Watch this space. <laughs> Scotty, I think we've established this episode's title next to useless. <laughs> uh, and I'm not even stood next to you. I know. Oh, wait. Oh, that's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, uh, how, are you, how are you going to be spending your Thanksgiving? Let's wrap up with a little bit of saying, how, how are you spending your Thanksgiving? Um, you know, doing the usual thing of stuffing my face with food, drinking lots of nice wine and hanging out with friends and, and family. Um, I actually like Thanksgiving. I, I like the idea of being thankful uh, for all the things you have in your life, which uh, I, I certainly do. And, and I think, you know, everybody can find something to be thankful for. Um, and I think it's nice to, to remember that. And I think that I, I just, to me, the conviviality of, of friends around a table is, is just, it's, it is in many ways what I live for. So, yes, I will be doing that. How about you, Scotty? Will you be thanking the fact that we all left? I will be spending my Thanksgiving, I will be spending my Thanksgiving working on SQLite syncing. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so there we are. I know how to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, yes, but uh, there we are. So it's uh, well, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, to, to you, sir. Uh, so, do you are you just taking Thanksgiving off, or are you going out and doing Black Friday as well? I, I don't believe in Black Friday. I I, I, I just like no, I, I kind of fundamentally don't like it. On the other hand, like it's called Black Friday for a reason. There are tons of 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 companies and and that kind of don't become profitable until then i actually there's something called small business saturday which is i think it's clever it's basically saying instead of like you know killing each other at walmart to to buy a five dollar tv why don't you go to your local bookshop or local store whatever on saturday and support them where you know your money does make a huge difference and uh, that is a problem that exists in america with the 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 death of many small merchants because amazon is basically and, and other services make it so that people never leave home they have their their food and their weed delivered and they're all their their groceries and all their you know their all their goodly stuff you know delivered by amazon now now our half listener at amazon is going to get all pissed off at us but um do some more do support your local merchants and do it on saturday and and then consider buying nothing on friday there said it yeah i think uh yeah i would totally agree with that Equally, it just in a little bit of Amazon defense, and only the tiniest bit of Amazon defense, Amazon have allowed small retailers to have a, a national reach True. for doing mail order stuff. So, that, you know, now how much they're getting screwed over while doing that, I don't know, because I've not done it, but there we are. Yeah. See, we don't do Thanksgiving in this country, but we do do Black Friday. Ah. So all the UK stores are having Black Friday sales, and it's just, a, you know, I don't know, it's just an excuse to knock knock 10% off something and try and boost your sales a little bit, yeah. I guess. But there we yeah. are. Well, I hope you really enjoy uh, your time sitting around the table and stuffing your face yeah. and um, 
drinking lots of wine. I will be thinking of you as I am bashing my head against brick walls with Jason <laughs> encoding and decoding and matching and comparison. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking if you were a real friend, you'd have swapped places. Yeah, clearly I'm not a friend because all you do is insult me and call me next to useless. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people want to just uh, uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving, John, where should they do well, that? Well, they should find me in the place that's known for its civility and conviviality, Twitter. Find me as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And, Scotty, if people want to, to, to like, send you a slice of turkey through the mail, hopefully that takes, like, half a, half a month to get there, so it's in really good form when it arrives. <laughs> How might they do that? Where could they find your, your shipping address? <laughs> I accept. I accept uh, um, <laughs> turkey of any age on Twitter. It's Mac Devnet, and you can send vegetables to micro.blog Is Scotty? <laughs> of course, you can send us both food like goodies <laughs> by email at feedback at idevelopera.co. <laughs> there we are. Uh, uh, another episode ends in a stunning manner <laughs> yeah. with with mail order turkey. Yeah. There we are. Uh, three-week-old male order turkey. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the title, I feel. Next to useless, three-week-old male order turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. If you're uh, if you're in the uh, uh, an area having holidays this week, enjoy them. And uh, if you're not, then uh, I'm thinking of you because I'm working as well. <laughs> Until next time, you take care. Thank you.